You are listening to Redefining Disability, an adaptive sports podcast brought to you by Move United. I am your host, Sean Butcher, and I have the privilege of serving as the editor of Move United Magazine, the nation's leading adaptive sports publication. Each week, tune in to hear how sports have made it possible for our nation's adaptive athletes, training tips from the best coaches and program leaders, and news on the latest technology, equipment, and trends in the industry. By day, Jason Sfire is president of the Fidelity Group, a family-owned commercial real estate development company in Illinois. When he's not running a business, he's playing wheelchair tennis with the Great Lakes Adaptive Sports Association, or GLASA, which is a Move United member organization based in the Chicago area. He also happens to serve as the organization's board president and coaches the Chicago Bears wheelchair football team. So, Jason, I thought we'd just start by... uh... You know, a basic question. How did you get involved in adaptive sports? Yeah, you know, Sean, it's an interesting question because uh, it's it's only been about three or four years for me that I've been involved in adaptive sports because um, my injury came later in life. You know, I'm 49 years old now, and um, so it came at 46 years old. So um, after a long bout with a uh, with MRSA in my spinal cord um, and my spine and 17 spinal surgeries, um, started to kind of look at what was next for my life um, and uh, wasn't sure. I was a lot, lifetime coach, lifetime athlete myself and knew I didn't want to give that up. So I just kind of started poking around the internet and said, okay, what's out there? And uh, found Glass at Great Lakes Adaptive Sports, which is a Move United partner um, and got involved in tennis. It was the first sport that I started playing again because I was a tennis player growing up. Um, and from that turned into serving as the board president for Glassa, then becoming uh, a coach for the you know Glassa Chicago Bears, which is part of the Move United uh, USA uh, Football League. Um, so yeah, I just kind of dove in, literally with uh, both wheels in my wheelchair, and said that uh, this is something I want to do. And um, now I'm you know coaching tennis, coaching football, and just it's been it's been a wild ride. Yeah, it's been really cool. And and you, you said a few things that I want to just kind of obviously unpack a little bit more. Um, uh, first of all, like with your uh, with coming into uh, the adaptive sports world, now, was it a gradual thing, or did did you know did it just hit like hit at a certain time for you? Yeah, you know, it was it was once I kind of found what living an adaptive lifestyle was like. You know, you kind of at first you're trying to just to get the basics down and figure out what life's going to look like. You know. My father of four, so mm-hmm. uh, married. I got a lot of responsibilities there, but then I just kind of, I knew that I needed something else, you know, as a hobby because I've always been involved in sport, and I was just so excited about the opportunity. So I went immediately to start playing tennis, um, like multiple days per week. Like I just was like, okay, this is the coolest thing I've found as of recent. I just, you know, and I had no idea it existed. As my two younger boys are tennis players. Um, and I had no idea that wheelchair tennis was a thing. And once I found out about it, it was like, tell me more, like every day kind of thing, you know, and I just couldn't help but want to do more. Um, so it's unfortunately, it's my personality. And it, it's probably a little bit of uh, one of the things that my wife would say, you know, that if we could change one thing, it would be, hey, let's let's slow the throttle down when we go for things. But I just kind of live wide open. So, yeah, to answer your question, I kind of dove right into it. Um, got really involved in tennis with Glassa, which was really cool because um, then I started to see the impact that it had on others, you know, not just myself. So then the coach in me started coming out. So then I started coaching with the 
you know, kids program and then the adult program. And because um, I was a really successful able-bodied player. So I, I started out at a really kind of cool spot where as soon as I could figure out how to move this wheelchair, the sport, you know, it got, it became real easy for me. So not easy, just easier and more fun probably. Cause when you're successful at something, you're having more fun. So yeah. <laughs> I go right in right away. Um, and I've pretty much never looked back. It's been about four years now and uh, I'm just finding new ways I'm, to get involved in adaptive sport. I'm going to uh, start adaptive golfing next summer. Um, at the club near home. So there's just so many good things that God's doing through my, you know, disability and through sport for me. So. And and you said you played tennis, you know, growing up and yeah. were there other sports that you played growing up as well? Yeah. So I was a, uh, in, you know, growing up, I played a little bit of everything, but then when I got to high school, just kind of honing on that, I played uh, football, wrestled and played tennis um, and played uh, varsity tennis all four years through high school um doubles and then i wrestled varsity all four years at high school and then in, uh, played football for three years so yeah i was super active in those three three sports um so and uh, i've been able now to jump back into tennis foot playing and coaching and now being able to jump back into football playing not playing but at least demonstrating a practice and then you know being the head coach of the class of chicago bears um so yeah it's just been it's kind of come full circle for me. Um, I would probably play football, but I'm just getting too old and my body would hurt way too much getting smacked around like those guys get hit all the time. So coach is good for me. Yeah, coach <laughs> is good for me. Exactly. We all realize re- realize our, our uh, we do have some limitations perhaps, right? <laughs> we do. Yeah, as much as I'd like to, uh, to continue to put that on the back burner, I think that uh, Father Time is going to catch up with me at least sooner or later, and I think it's going to be sooner than later at this point. So, and and I think some you know sometimes one of the things that you kind of alluded to is sometimes folks just don't realize um, that they can play a sport that they grew up uh, loving and doing. I mean, obviously, other than other other than figuring out the mechanics of of the wheelchair itself and and moving around the court, tennis is pretty much the same sport you get one extra bounce but other than that it's the same sport identical yeah so yeah you're right and uh swinging a tennis racket seated or standing is the same thing so you're right is once you figure out the chair mechanics and the mobility piece um it's just you can really raise your game at a really high level and have a, a blast um and i think you're right i think people don't realize that um how many different you know adaptive sports there are wheelchair sports i mean you know adaptive standing whatever whatever if it's a wheelchair you're using or uh some sort of prosthesis whether it's in track or whatever a blade um there are just so many awesome sports out there in the adaptive sport world that you know i was a lifelong coach i was an able-bodied coach for 20 i coached uh, high school football for almost 20 years i coached in college for a few years and i didn't even know that half these sports existed um you know because we're just we live in our own little bubble in our own little silo of of able-bodied sports and one thing for me now is being a coach as i look and go man if i had to do it over again which i thankfully still have a lot of connections with the able-bodied um you know coaches is is they need to get involved in, in this you know in this adaptive and disabled sport world because there's there's actually so much freedom for the athlete the able-bodied athlete when they see the accomplishment of these a wheelchair athlete, you know, and when they see what, you know, what the human mind can overcome and the human heart can overcome when you just put your mind to something, you know, like for my boys seeing 
all the tennis athletes that we get to work with at Glassa overcome their disability, then my boys, when they go to play able-bodied tennis, they go, you know, maybe this isn't as hard as I, I'm making it out to be. Um, so there's a lot of motivation in it. There's a lot of encouragement. And there's just a lot of camaraderie to serve each other. And I think that's so important. I think we lose sight of that um, so easily in, in sport. We just want to use sport for our own personal gain instead of the gain of others or seeing, you know, sometimes people just the like I've had athletes that they need this sport so much. They may not be great at it, but what this sport brings out of them is something that some people would never see unless they were on that court or on that field. And that's, for me, that's the win. It's mm -hmm. not winning a tournament. It's it's doing that. So, yeah. And so, obviously, you're, we'll talk a lot about football, but um, so are you still actively playing tennis a few days a week as well? Or I am. Or yeah, I mean, trying to focus on just football now? <laughs> no, so, you know, I think that tennis is my outlet. Um, so I mm -hmm. play three or four days a week now. Um, I still play. I actually... I train with a coach um, for my own personal kind of wheelchair game, but I haven't played a tournament in a long time because, as you were saying, football takes up a whole bunch of time. Um, so we've got the football season coming to a close, but I'm still playing tennis. I'm, I play in able body leagues here in Chicago um, in the CDTA, the Chicago District Tennis Association. So only guy in a wheelchair on the court, but playing against able body guys and giving them a run for their money and um just trying to help people understand the advocacy and inclusion piece of it, that they're, you know, that um, just because a guy's in a wheelchair doesn't mean that he can't compete with you. Um, right. So that's really cool. And trying to help the local clubs understand here that don't have, like they say that their club is accessible. Well, that may mean their front door. Mm -hmm. But are your tennis courts accessible? I've had many matches that locker, I've locker rooms. We could go on everything. And on, right? <laughs> yeah, everything. And I've gotten to a point where it's like, you know, I'll have to call ahead and, and be like, hey, I'm scheduled to play your team, you know, your two your athletes this week um, at your men's three five level. Uh, can I get to your courts? Well, what do you mean? Of course, no. I mean, they're well, they're they're stairs. Well, then I can't get to it. I use a wheelchair. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, so for my own, you know, kind of health and mental mental well-being, I still play a bunch of tennis four days a week. Um, love it. Got a bunch of great friends that have really kind of championed the adaptive wheelchair tennis athlete, um, you know, slogan with me and, and, and helping me, you know, kind of fight that battle with the local clubs. Um, and then, yeah, I'm coaching uh, football a couple of days a week and traveling, uh, you know, to three or four tournaments a year with the the wheelchair football team, which has just been a blast to get to go back to the X's and O's and uh, break down film again and do all those things that I used to do for all those years in high school football. Now I just get to do it with a bunch of dudes rolling around the concrete floor instead of on a, you know, grassy football field. So, yeah. And, and Jason, you mentioned, uh, you know, three or four years ago when, when you when you were just exploring, how did you how did you discover Glassa? Yeah, you know, and that's, you know, so my faith is really important. I mean, I think that God's got a plan for all of us and moves us through life. And it's crazy how this this story happened. Um, so I'm looking, Googling around, trying to find wheelchair tennis, because like I said earlier, you know, when, when I once I found out about it, like there was no way you were going to keep me out of the wheelchair, the tennis chair and off the court. So I was like frenetically like Googling, where do I play wheelchair tennis? Because there aren't many places. And then Glassa comes up. So I pick up the phone and I call the office in Lake Forest. And lo and behold, the lady that answers was 
when I had finished coaching able body football, try and stay with me. I'll try and make this coherent. Uh-huh. I'm interested. I'm interested. Yeah, <laughs> when I finished uh, coaching able body football in 2017 at Carmel Catholic High School, I was the special teams coordinator. At that point in time, I was walking with with two forearm crutches, but my our head coach and AD was still allowing me to coach. In the la- and I was a special teams coordinator. The last kicker that I had there, his name was Matt Helen, um, and uh-huh. Matt's, Matt's mom is our secretary and Shelly, our right? office manager, Shannon. At, yeah, Shannon. Yeah, at Shannon. yeah, Shannon at Glassa. So she answers the phone and I start sharing my story about, you know, former able-bodied football coach and, you know, had to, had a bunch of surgeries and I had a back surgery that gone went terribly wrong. You know, now I'm partially paralyzed and I'm using a wheelchair and I found this thing. And now, now the excitement starts to come out. Like, and I found this thing called wheelchair tennis and I want to play more. And she's like, slow down. Let me ask you a question. Where did you coach football? I'm like at Carmel Catholic in Mundelein. She said, is this coach Spire? Because she had known my story of the last few years that Matt was there, that I had gotten sick and was going through all these surgeries. So she knew this kind of journey. So now she gets to hear it. And now she's on the other end being mm-hmm. the person that can connect me to something that is going to give me so much hope. And it was just, she connected me right away. I got connected with our coaches, Mike Carrico and Paul, Paul Moran at Glassa. And man, since then, I've been involved um, with Glassa. And like I said, I, I ended up getting on the board and now I'm the board president. Um, and I just, you know, there's just no keeping me away from helping uh, disabled people and, disa- and then disabled athletes find the hope in sport that I found the minute I connected with Glassa. Um, and I know that across the country, there's a ton of partner agencies that Move United has that offer a similar service. And um, that's why we're just all in at Glassa to say that this is this is what the disabled athlete needs. This is what a disabled person needs if they choose to, to take up a sport. We need to provide an on-ramp for them from a beginner all the way up to a professional level athlete that we have in many of our sports. So it's kind of the, that was kind of the, uh, two minute quick version, but that's how I found, you know, mm-hmm. adaptive sports. And it's been a great journey since then. And so how do you balance the role of being a, an athlete um, or essentially like one of the program participants, right? Uh, and also serving in the le- in a leadership capacity yeah. as a board member. It's um, yeah. That my, my wife says I, I need to work on balancing it better in a really healthy way. Right. Because I can give myself so much to something. Um, and it's been great that my family's been on this journey with me, but you're right. That's something that is really difficult because the, the leadership side of it, I really want to help because I want to help others. Um, and then the selfish side of me, and I, and it's not selfish, right? It's there's sometimes there's just, you need to do some things for yourself. Absolutely. Um, and it's a really tough balance. So I've actually, you know, really kind of, leaned into after this football season uh which will probably be over the next couple of weeks just kind of like taking a hitting the hitting the reset button and being like okay what's next for for me um and because i it is it it's a great reminder that my wife's given me that you know i can't just continually charging so hard into something mm-hmm. um because it's a lot of it just you, you miss a lot of it you know it just passes you by so quickly and you, and you go wait a minute, I did something really cool with this football team, but I might've missed it. Or, 
we had one of our most successful galas in the history of the organization. And I might've missed some of that, or maybe I missed something at home that I shouldn't have missed. So I think, you know, as a coach, I tell my athletes all these things that they need to be careful of, you know, like, Hey, make sure you have a good, you know, work sport balance, make sure you have a good family sport balance, make sure you have a good work family. You know, you mentor all those things, but sometimes as a coach, you don't take your own advice. So um, that's a really good question. One of, one of the things though, that I, I do do um, is with kind of, I've gotten better at delegating, you know, you speak of the leadership, right? right. I can't do it all. So I've got a great board around me. Um, we've got an incredible staff at Glass. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. I would put our staff up against any staff in the country, very biased, of course. I'm sure a lot of board presidents or guys in leadership would say the exact same thing. Um, but they work their tails off um, and they are just, they're experts at what they do. And what what I love the most about them, um, like our program, our program staff, um, they just, they just love their athletes so well. Um, and I might get emotional because this is near and dear to my heart, but the way that they care for our athletes is um, it's the way that, you know, like as a parent, you you care about your kids. Like these are other people's kids and they love them like they're, they're their own. Um, and it's just been a, it's been a really cool journey to sit, to get to do both. As you said, I get to sit at the, the leadership chair, the high leadership chair that helped make decisions. But I also get to see the grassroots things when programs start as an athlete. Um, and I get to go to athlete functions because I am an athlete. Um, and I get to see w- the the smiles on faces, kids, uh, kids' faces at uh, clinics and things that we do. So um, I think that it you, as anybody's got to balance anything, I think that we can all do a better job. I, I know for me that I've got a little bit of a season of uh, pumping the brakes a little bit and uh, maybe redefining what that looks like for me. Um, but I wouldn't give any of it up for a second because I think it started, it certainly molded me into the disa- disabled athlete that I am now and, and the leader, um, a disabled, you know, a leader who understands what it takes to be in the disabled uh, community. Mm-hmm. So I think it's, it's, I sit in a place of honor to have both of those experiences. Yeah. And, and so obviously you're, you're playing wheelchair tennis, you're on the board and, and then the, through the support of, of the Bob Woodruff foundation and the NFL, this new USA wheelchair football league starts and Chicago is tapped as one of the four original teams. What, what, what was that like? And what was, at least to you, because you, you came from coaching football, uh, the opportunity just to be able to get in, in, into the sport again. Yeah. Well, I mean, well, I think we've got plenty of time left. So there's there's a lot I could say here. But, um, you know, it's interesting, again, how it came to me. So I was the board president and I knew we had this team, but I didn't really know anything about it. And I think part of that was it might have been like to protect myself, because I knew if I learned enough about this football team that I was going to want to get involved because I just love the sport so much. I mean, my oldest son, our oldest son uh, played four years of college football. Uh, just graduated. He's a strength coach at a university in Minnesota now. So like, you know, the whole football is just ingrained in our family. Mm-hmm. Um, but when when I found out about it in 2020, I had heard some conversation. Then obviously the pandemic came. So that kind of pumped the brakes on it. Then in 2021, um, you know, one of our program directors who was in charge of that was starting to get the ball, the the ball rolling and, and trying to get things moving on on the team. 
Um, and I remember hearing that, like, uh, boy, we're struggling to find a coach for the team and we might miss the first tournament. And I didn't really say much at that time. I was just kind of like, you know, okay, what, what's going on here in my heart? What's God doing here? And um, I didn't do anything. And then it came up again. Um, and then I heard that we had a guy, a volunteer that was going to step into the coaching role, but then he turned it down. And I think that happened again for a second time. And I said, okay, what is, what is going on? So I, I was prayerful about it. Talked to my wife and she's like, listen, if this has been put before you three times, there's a reason why <laughs> you need to, you need to consider doing this. So um, started having some conversations and I made the guy talk to Michaela, who was at the time our program manager. And I said, I'll do it, but I'm on only temporary interim basis. I'll get this thing off the ground. I'll get it rolling. Sure. Right. Yeah. We, we know uh -huh. how the story ends, right? Famous last words. Yeah. Right. Um, so I jumped in and just kind of did what I, I had been trained to do for so many years. You know, you, you come in, you do a training camp, you do a tryout, draft a team, put together your practice schedule, you know, and, um, and did all that last year. And, and, uh, you know, it was a shortened season last year. There was a one tournament in Arizona. We didn't attend that tournament, but then we got to go to the KC tournament um, right around Halloween, which was freezing. But we went. Um, but it was a great event. Um, we brought a team down. We competed really hard, um, and I think that was what kind of galvanized it for me in that moment. That this is real football. Like you know, I kept telling myself, like you know, well, this isn't the same thing that you experienced, you know, and all your years of able body football and coaching. And man, once I got, cause you were in practice, you know, going against each other. It's just kind of like, you know, I'm not sure you can't tell. And then you get on that field and you go compete. Yeah. And these guys, man, they go after it. My guys, the guys from and all across the league, from the different teams from Kansas city to LA to the Brown, I mean, just all of them, you know, Arizona, Tampa and to watch them compete. And watch this level of skill that they compete with um, and the desire and the heart that they have. It is just impressive. I mean, I've told many people, um, you know, I still have some old high school coaching buddies and I'm like, guys, the athleticism that it takes to play this game is is amazing. I mean, both games, right, able body or wheelchair football, they both take a great amount of an athleticism. But, you know your arms were never intended to propel your body at the speeds that these guys can pr propel their bodies. Um, and the, and the ability, I mean, you're pushing yourself with your wheelchair and you have to have the mental focus to catch a football at the same time. Um, so yeah, it was a, it was a really cool experience and kind of got into that finished last season. And I kind of did the same thing where I'm like, well, we'll find a coach for next year, meaning this current season. Um, and that lasted about two weeks. And then I got back in and started, you know, building the playbook for the 2022 season. And, um, so yeah, it just, uh, I kept going and, and kept getting after it and we hosted a tournament this year and, you know, so I'm all in. Yeah. Yeah. It was pretty cool to, to have the tournament up and to host. It, it would be pretty cool to host a tournament, obviously, a, you know, basically a, a big home, home game for everybody, which is cool. Yeah. Yeah, it was neat. It was a neat experience. And Chicago Bears came out in support. Um, they had sent out a few uh, alumni players and then some staff members. So, yeah, for, to be able to kind of create like the the same environment from, a, you know, the Chicago Bears and then we're the Chicago Bears. We got to go to training camp this year. 
um, and meet Coach Eberflus and uh, Ryan Poles and a bunch of the athletes and then a bunch of their players, my athletes, and just a really cool experience to be able to, um, you know, create again some of that synergy between an able-bodied professional team and then, you know, our version of that in the wheelchair world, the the top the top uh, kind of competitive wheelchair football teams in the country that all get to go ahead and uh, if they choose, you know, represent their local home professional organization, which is really special. Yeah, I was going to, I was going to, was one of my follow-up questions is, is in terms of, obviously, if you grew up in an area like Chicago and, and, and you are a lifetime Chicago Bears fan, how, how is it to be able to wear that same, uh, you know, trademark, same brand, same logo, same gear, uh, and, and represent, you know, the city in a different way and it was you playing, playing football, but just in a different way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it, I mean, you, you hit it right on the head. We're, we're still competing at the sport we love, right? All these guys, whether you watched, you you ever played it or whether you just watched it, this is your sport. You love football. And now to be doing it in Chicago for these guys and for myself, you know, to, to wear the official coaches gear that the Chicago Bears coaches wear, um, it's, it's a dream. It's something I never, I, I mean, who in the world ever thinks that they're gonna get that opportunity and then to have the Bears organization, they provide the majority of that for you and they bring you to Hallis Hall and they present your team with your jerseys. Um, yeah, it, it's very special. Um, being like a local kid, you know, that grew up as a Bears fan and whether they're good or bad, it doesn't matter to me. I'm a Bears fan and I'm going to watch them every Sunday and I'm going to cheer them on. And um, and now I get to say that I'm on, on a very small level, a part of that organization. You know what I mean? Um because they treat us like that. They treat us, you know, they they, they really care for about what we're doing. Um, they help us in any way they can. And, uh, you know, I know for my guys, it's uh, it's super special. I, some of my guys that, you know, have shared like, you know, this as a kid, being a Bears fan, you just never think that you're going to get to even, you know, like have a real jersey. Well, these are real jerseys that the same thing that Roquan Smith's wearing on a Sunday my guys are wearing with their names on it um so it's it's hard to kind of quantify what that feeling feels like but i know for me it's been it's been amazing and it's been uh i could have coached another 15 years in high school but it's been nothing like what i've got to experience through watching these guys and you know grown men you know i've got guys from 18 all the way up to 58 on my team um so this mix of you know youthful energy to this grown up uh, mature adult energy getting to do something that they love that they never thought they'd get to do it's it's special yeah it's really special and obviously as an athlete yourself but wearing a coach's hat in this sport how, how is it difficult is it difficult to uh to put on that coach's hat versus wanting to just get right in there and and uh i mean i know you talked about uh the age being one of the one of the deciders sure. but but how, how how do you how do you differentiate the the coaching versus the playing. Yeah, you know, I kind of feel like I, I struggle with that a little more like in tennis. Um, it's weird. The football, I, I really feel like I was called, you know, to to coach. Mm-hmm. I, I never had the feeling to play. Like I came out at the beginning of this year and we needed a safety. And I have vast experience coaching safeties and understanding how to play that position. And I was like, well, if no one steps up, I'm just going to do this. And then the, the minute I got on the field, I was just 
I, I, I couldn't help myself but wanting to direct and fix everything else that was going on in the defense that I couldn't even focus on what right. I would have needed to do. Um, so I just feel like it's, you know, ever since I stopped playing football and I never looked back at 19 years old, I went right into coaching and I've been, you know, coaching whether it was youth football with my boy or whether it was high school. So I feel like I've just been equipped when it comes to the game of football just to be a coach for me. It because uh, I know there's a lot of guys in this league that are kind of player coaches, mm-hmm. um, and that's something I could do. I'm still an athlete, but I just don't I don't have that desire in me. I have the desire to kind of pass on some of the gifts when it comes to football that I've learned over the years and I've been given and been able to kind of break down film and things. I kind of pass some of that on to the next generation of guys that maybe will coach this team in the future. Never from the standpoint of let me show you how it's done and model it on the field. So um, I can imagine that it would be difficult if if somebody wanted to play to manage that. But I'm really lucky. I haven't had that issue. I've just enjoyed coaching. It's been a it's been a gift to kind of mentor some of these guys that the younger guys um, and kind of bring them up into a really cool sport and and kind of be one of the pioneers of, you know, the first few teams that got to kind of bring the organization, the league itself mm-hmm. um, and help Carolyn, you know, she's doing a great job, kind of help this thing grow so that it's sustainable forever. I, you know, I don't want this to be a, a three or four year thing and it, and it kind of fizzle out. I want this thing to be around for when, you know, my kids are coaching wheelchair football. So. <laughs> that's awesome and and so lastly i just want to i just want to ask you about your team itself about the team so what wh- how would you describe the team um our group of guys it, so it's interesting we've uh we compete really really hard but we have not had the opportunity of winning a tournament yet um like every game with the top teams uh our host our tournament here in chicago la won that tournament and we lost, uh, we were, it was a 14 point game going into the fourth quarter, you know, um, we, Dallas, who ended up make, taking second in Tampa, we lost to them seven, nothing, um, Arizona or Tampa who took third in the last tournament, we lost by a touchdown. So we're like, we're this gritty team that competes really hard. Um, and you know, we play a different kind of football than a lot of the other teams because of our age. Um, my, st- my five guy, my top five guys that go both ways are all over the age of 50, mm. um, all former superstars in basketball, wheelchair mm. basketball played at the university of Illinois. Um, a couple of them played overseas. So, I mean, they're really good wheelchair athletes. Um, the problem is they're a little bit older. So we play a lot of zone defense just to give you a little bit of the X's and O's. We don't play man defense cause we can't play man against these younger guys that come to these tournaments with current, you know, college wheelchair basketball players or current Paralympic hopefuls um, in, you know, some sport, right? Lacrosse or bat. Um, So we play a little different brand. We try and slow the game way down. Um, We try and be a possession passing team, you know, like you hear in uh, the NFL, we're going to be a possession run team because they run the ball to burn the clock seven on seven. There's not a lot of running. So, but we're a possession passing team, short yardage, work the clock, play really good defense. Um, I think we lead the league in intersection interceptions. We've taken the ball away a lot. Um, we just had trouble scoring in the red zone, but 
we got a gritty bunch of guys, uh, pretty much older. I mean, I've got an 18 year old and I've got a few 20 year olds, but the majority of my guys are 40 and 50 year olds. So we're really excited about that younger. Hopefully we can bring some interest in the Midwest and in Chicago to those younger guys that they want to come do this with us. Um, and then it would be great to have four or five 20 year olds that play both ways. And then my older guys only have to play one way, but um, we compete really hard. We're excited about finishing the season strong. We've got uh, another tournament here to, you know, coming up in the next few weeks that we're going to, you know, we're going to go at it and do what we can. And um, regardless of the outcome, you know, I think we're a couple games over 500 right now, but um, we're working hard and having fun. And that's it. That's about we're getting to do something that no one else gets to do around here in Chicago when it comes to wheelchair athletics.